Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. My name is Marty Udall, and I want to thank you for being with us today. You know, I want to first of all send out an apology for last week. We had some problems in getting a podcast out, but uh, everything is good for today. We're also starting a day earlier, and you'll see why here in a moment. You know, today I want to look at an Old Testament prophet, Habakkuk, and I want to look at how his words may help us today as we face in a historic event south of the border. You know, the title of our lesson is Watch and Be Utterly Amazed. You know, today, November 3rd, is a huge day south of the border. This is going to be an incredible week south of the border. And even though we're here in Canada, we are greatly impacted by the outcome that is going to happen in the presidential election. Today's podcast is not meant to be political in any way, shape, or form. But I hope, and my goal is, it is going to help us as followers of Jesus, how God wants us to respond and to reflect his image in times like this. You know, when it comes to politics, many of us have very, very strong opinions, especially in these areas. You know, as an evangelist, sometimes I wish we had just as strong opinions about trying to convince people about Jesus and his kingdom as we do about trying to convince people to vote for a certain political party. But that will be a discussion for another day. You know, if you are an American and you're listening to this, you know you have a vote and you have somewhat of a say in the potential outcome. As Canadians, we have no say. We just sit and watch. And you know, today what I'm hoping to do is look at Habakkuk and share what he has to say in regards to a situation that he was facing at his time. And as we go through this, I want to share it from a perspective of I think Habakkuk is a little spicy with his complaints when he talks to God. So if you have a Bible, let's turn over to the Old Testament, the book of Habakkuk. And I want to give us a little bit of a background. You know, this is at the time of Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire. They are coming into Judah, Jerusalem. They are going to exile the residents, they're going to wreak havoc on the walls and tear apart the city. And Habakkuk has a one-sided view on behalf of his people, and he complains to God about what he sees. So we'll pick it up here in verse 1 of chapter 1. The prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. How long, Lord, must I call for help? but you do not listen, or cry out to you violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. You know, Habakkuk is looking at what's going on to his people. 
And he cries out this complaint to God. And he talks about the violence that he sees. And he talks about the injustice that is being waged against God's people. And he sees that even though the law, and he's probably referring to the Old Testament, is being paralyzed because of Babylon. He's concerned about justice that is being perverted. You know, for many of us, we look at all the social issues that are going on today, and maybe we have the same complaint to God. Maybe we're looking at the violence that's going on around us. We look at injustice. We look at how justice is being perverted and how our understanding of the law is paralyzed. And Habakkuk is crying out to God about this situation. You know, God, your people are in a very bad spot. Where are you? If we go down a little further to verse 5, God responds. He says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. I'm raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless, impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a lot of themselves and promote their own honor. And God will continue on. But God responds to Habakkuk and says, you know what? Even if I tell you what is going on, you're not going to believe it. And I believe God responds to Habakkuk in a way that he was not expecting. I think for Habakkuk, he was expecting God to come down and, and, and make things better. To make things the way he believed they should be. You know, oftentimes we, as followers of Jesus, fall into the same thing. We have our ideas and our thoughts and, and our desires of what we think is right, what we think is best the way things should be. And God, why are you not doing it? And I think sometimes we live in this world where we think ultimately we're really in control when we're not. And God says here, and it's the title of the lesson, I want you to watch and be utterly amazed. You know, if you follow along, you pick it up here in verse 12. God's response was not what Habakkuk was hoping for. So he again tries to push. And in verse 12, it says, Lord, are you not for everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You know, again, Habakkuk is trying to push his agenda. He, he starts off with these platitudes towards God. Are your eyes not too pure to look on evil? How can you tolerate wrongdoing? How could you raise these people up to pass this judgment? As we read through here, we're going to start to understand that God has a different agenda and that Habakkuk's own words are being turned upon himself. Because he's looking at 
Judah. He's looking at Jerusalem and he's talking about the burden that they're facing because of Babylon. But God through chapter two is going to say, actually, the problem here, Habakkuk, is not Babylon on Jerusalem. But it's that the wealthy of my own people are now committing injustice against their fellow citizens. And I am bringing judgment against them for how they've treated their own people. And at the, at the beginning of chapter 2, this spiciness of Habakkuk comes out. He says, I'm going to stand and watch and station myself on the ramparts. And I will look to see what he will say to me and, and what answer I'm going to, uh, to give to my complaint. In other words, Habakkuk has shared his point. Now he's going to stand, God. I almost get the sense defiantly. I've made my argument, God. You know that I'm right. Now where's my answer? And God responds in verse 2. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets, so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. You know, God's response is that he's not necessarily calling out Babylon, as I said, but he's starting to call out Judah because they've lost sight of who they are. They've lost sight of the partnership with God to be a source of justice for the alien, for the, the widow, for the poor, and that they are now starting to build house upon house. They're looking at their own wealth and building it on the backs of of their own people. So God is raising up the Babylonians to bring justice and he's calling them out. They have lost their way. You know, unfortunately, I believe for us as, as followers of Jesus, we too are now invested too much in the outcome of the politics of our world. We have lost sight of God's kingdom and what God is calling us to be. And we are putting more effort and energy into the secular world and thinking that politicians and lawkeepers and the police are what are going to bring justice in our society. And God says the only answer to all of this are those who partner with me and bring godly justice to the picture. That we spend so much time looking at politics and looking at all the social injustices that we don't realize that we as Christians are the answer to these problems. As we obey God and put into practice what he's called from us, that that is how we're going to bring solutions. You know, in chapter three, Habakkuk goes from one complaint to a second complaint to now praying. And in verse 1, it says, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. And in wrath, remember mercy. Habakkuk is no longer being so spicy. He's no longer thinking he's got all the answers. 
but he understands that God is in control. And he prays a very simple prayer. God, I've heard of your fame. I know of the incredible deeds of the past. I know of the miracles that you've performed. Please renew them in our day. And remember mercy in time of wrath. Regardless of how things turn out south of the border, regardless of what party wins the presidency, we need to pray for God's mercy to reign. We need to pray for God's wisdom and discernment to reach the hearts of all those involved. Well, how should we respond as Christians? You know, in the New Testament, the book of Titus, Paul writes in chapter 3, Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities and to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good. You may have strong feelings about who you want to be the president of the United States. Whatever the outcome of that election is, you need to pray for the authorities and you need to strive to be obedient and be ready to do whatever is good. In verse 2, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. You know, we live in a world where social media drives so much of the story. And as Christians, we need to make sure that we're slandering nobody, especially social media. Because once you put something up, it's, it's there. And everyone sees. Verse 3, at one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable. For everyone, we are called to do what is good, brothers and sisters. We are called to be image bearers of the king that we follow. We are called to slander no one. You may not like whoever wins the election, but do not slander them. Be a reflection of our king. We need to be peaceable and considerate and gentle to everyone. God's mercy has saved us. We are heirs of hope. Let us be those who bring hope to a hurting situation because, again, regardless of the outcome, people are going to be hurt. People are going to be emotional. But we can provide hope for them. And we need to be devoted to these things. Brothers and sisters, let us not get caught up 
in the emotion of this secular world who's trying to control things. But let us be reflections of God, our creator. You know, just earlier, and I want to finish with this last passage in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Paul would write to a young evangelist and he would simply say in verse 1, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, and intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. You know, we may have some strong political opinions, but we need to be careful in how we share those with people because there are people looking for God who may view politics from a different perspective and you don't want to be the one that drives them away from the kingdom because your political view is more important than your kingdom uh, citizenship. And so let us pray today, tonight, for peace. Let us pray that whoever wins that election, that people will accept the outcome and that we can return peace back to our societies. That justice will prevail, but a godly justice will prevail. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a great day.